Jackson to through for the win. Good! He did it! Bryce Drew did it! Falco has won the game! to Leitner, puts it up, yes! All right, and welcome to the Sweet 16 version of the HFB podcast. Eight games, that's all we're talking about, eight games. Makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it's also a little sad to know that uh, college basketball is going to be over in less than two weeks. Ooh. And the uh, for me, at least, the peak betting season kind of goes to the back burner. Yes, with the exception of our, the annual Tiger Woods to win the Masters bet. Of course, there is, there is always that one. So, uh, <laughs> And then what, it's dead. What do you think of uh, – what what do you think? What's your takeaways from uh, the first weekend? Chalky, isn't that the word? Chalky. Yeah, I would I would I mean, say yeah, it's, it's really chalky. It was it was really chalky, and so you didn't get with the. I mean, you really didn't even have. You had very few, not to <laughs> mention buzzer beaters. Like you didn't have. I don't think you had any buzzer beaters, uh, but you had very few close games. Period. Uh, obviously, the the Duke uh, UCF was probably the best game of of the weekend. Uh, where I don't I don't know how the ball didn't drop for UCF and UCF should have won that game. But uh, um, other than that, I mean Auburn had a close game in their first game. I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm forgetting, but really just kind of a a, a chalky weekend. But what that does is that even though, you know, I, I've heard people complain about, Oh, the incident will be tournament. It's boring this year. Okay. So the first weekend doesn't, you know, you know, you don't get the upsets the first weekend, but what do you get now? You get fantastic matchups all the way through. You don't have that. You don't have that low, low C that shouldn't be there. That kind of lucked out, not lucked out, but I feel like in years past, we, you and I were talking about this before, that you would always have that – there would always be a couple teams that were the Cinderella stories that would get into the Sweet 16 and then get blown out this round. You don't have that team this year, so you should have eight good matchups, right? Theoretically, yeah. I mean, it's – I don't know historically, um, but but looking at Ken Palm, but what's, what's interesting is that his top 14 teams – um, in college basketball, are all in the all in the Sweet Sixteen. So one through fourteen have all advanced on the on Ken Palm's power ratings, which is which is crazy. And then you have and the, and the two that aren't in there are still in the, what the top thirty. Yeah, LSU's nineteen and, and Oregon's twenty seven. There you go. But yeah. I mean to have one through fourteen to all survive, all advance, um, <laughs> and be playing this weekend um, sets up for some really good games, and I think that. You, know, you have spreads where they're at accordingly. So, if nothing less, if just a basketball purist, it should be an entertaining weekend to watch. Just to watch games, um, which of course we don't do on this network because we no. uh, you don't have any skin in the game. It's no fun. No, in fact, I won't even watch it. 
<laughs> Not gonna lie, there was there was some there, there was an NIT game out TCU and and uh, uh, Creighton were on last night, and I had nothing on it, and I just kind of sat there and I'm like, this, I, I just don't want to watch this. So, <laughs> and I I almost turned on that game, and I, and I and I was tired enough because I'm in I'm in New York right now, so I was tired enough. I was like, you know what, I don't even want to. I don't want to bet it, so I'm just not going to watch it because there's just there's no point. I mean, yeah, good good for those kids trying to trying to get to the New York themselves, but uh, yeah, uh, even though I did uh, I did partake in one uh, NIT bet uh, a couple of days ago that paid off, so so you know maybe there is some money to be to be earned there, but really, um, so everything starts off on Thursday. Uh, I still don't understand why the West Coast game is one of the first ones to tip off, uh, but it's Florida State playing Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga is, is the number one seed uh, in the region. Interesting as far as the way the numbers look right now, 70% of the money is going on Florida State, but a little reverse line movement of opening at six and a half and then going to seven and a half. Full disclosure, I have a bet in on Florida State. Um, I bought the hook, took it up to eight points. I truly feel that Florida State is good enough to win this game. And I think it's a at eight points. If you can get that, if you can get that point spread eight points or better, I think it's a great bet. Yeah, no, I, I <clears throat> it's one of the one of the few underdogs that I that I uh, have taken a long, you know, look at, um, you know, for, for Thursday, I, you know, I, I, and this kind of goes for all the games, but looking at, you know, the Ken Palm stuff, you know, the Ken Palm stuff's really, I think, beneficial early in the tournament because you've got some teams right. that you're not familiar with, you know, at this point when I, and I've always found in the sweet 16, the lead eight, um, you, you've watched a lot of stuff on television. You've seen these teams, Obviously, you know what they did the prior week. Um, More than likely, you saw them in conference championships. So you have, like, you you should have a decent pulse on every team. It's kind of like of of, of how they've been playing the last couple of weeks. Right. So, you know, the thing is when you go to, like, to Ken Palm stuff, like I just said, his top 14 teams are in this – are playing. So you're not going to see a lot of, like, areas or, or rankings on certain statistics that I find valuable that – are going to look out of whack. I mean, so it's not like you can really go and look at something analytically and be like, hmm, this team doesn't, you know, take care of the ball or this team, you know, doesn't shoot it great from the three-point line or whatever. Maybe this is an issue. It's all matchups at this point. Um, right. You know, and it's how teams, it's it's style of play. Coaching, and I've said it last podcast, but coaching matters even more um, at this stage in the tournament, especially in this year's you know, with this year's field, because you do have theoretically the best teams still alive. I mean, when I looked at this game, so once a rematch from last year's Sweet 16 game that the Florida State won outright, um, Florida State returns essentially everybody off that team. Gonzaga has a lot of parts that are also returning. And then they added, you know, um, a couple of pieces. Most notably was Brandon Clark, the transfer from – San Jose State, obviously Hachimura has really evolved and become, um, you know, shown himself to be a, a first-round NBA talent. Uh, 
you know, uh, but for me, as I look at this, you know, I, I agree with you on Florida state. Um, there's only two things about Florida state that make me a little bit worried. One is, is they're, they're, they're in the, the lower two hundreds shooting the three, they're 210th shooting at 33%. If you watch the Murray state game, they, they shot it pretty well. Um, and I think it's always, they, sh- they, they shot it really well, but to be fair, so many of those were, were wide open in rhythm jump shots. Like they, <laughs> it, it was almost like you were running skeleton practice, uh, uh, with some of those for how easily they were scoring on Florida, on Murray state. Well, and it's always easier to shoot with a 20 point lead. So it's, it's a right. little bit, right. it's different game pressure. You know, and the other thing is they're not, you know, they're not awful, but they're not the best at taking care of the ball. They're again, they're 209th in turnover percentage, you know, but I look at, you look at Gonzaga defensively, Gonzaga's not, you know, they're not one of the tops at taking the ball away. So it's not like they can pressure and cause more turnovers out of Florida state. I don't see that exploited. They are one of the better three point shooting teams uh, defensively. Um, so he, here's, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. So this is a perfect example of – so when you get to this this point of the season with the – like you, when you're looking at Ken Palm and the analytics and that kind of stuff, how much do you have to account for that Gonzaga has p- played in the WCC and for the last two months hasn't played anybody? Where Florida State's going up against the Virginias of the world who's going to turn you over. The Dukes and North Carolinas who are nothing but blue chippers. Uh, and you know, an NC State will play you good defense, and of course, they just made the NIT. But I mean, there, there's a the ACC is is the best conference, college basketball conference, and they're having to play those guys game in and game out uh, throughout the season. I mean, how how much does that? How much do you need to weigh that against the Ken Palm statistics? Well, you weigh it a little bit. I mean, Gonzaga plays one of the toughest non-conference schedules annually in college right. basketball, so those games right. are obviously factored in. You know, my thing with with Gonzaga last week was, you know, what's been their toughest game in the last two and a half months? You know, it's it's a big jump going from playing 18 conference games in a conference tournament <clears throat> in a true mid-major conference um, and then stepping up to the plate and playing in the NCAA tournament. Now, I mean, they're a veteran team. You know, they've got they've had guys that have been in the final four playing a national championship <clears throat> that are on this roster. But just from a sheer basketball matchup, Florida State has the length, the athleticism, and the size to offset um, Gonzaga's ability to dominate the interior, dominate the paint, which they did night in and night out in conference play. Um, So what I think it comes down to is if you're backing Gonzaga, not just to cover the spread, but just to win, I think Gonzaga's guards have to make shots um, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of second shot opportunities. Um, and they have to take care of the ball. And that's something that if you watch that Baylor game, there's some warts on the Gonzaga team that came back out. Baylor never went away. They forced turnovers. Gonzaga gets complacent at times. They get jump shot happy with the guards and kind of forget about the bigs. And a lot of times the bigs are used as their lifeline to, to go get them a bucket, usually after a timeout, probably when Mark Few has cussed them out. But the last three possessions were, you know, were, were shit possessions. So they're going to have a hard time, man. I mean, Florida State is huge. They started kids 7-2 at center. Um, they got the uh, oh, Cobb Gale, whatever his name is, 6-10 kid coming off the bench, who's their leading scorer. Actually, they started 7-2 kid. So, and they've got so much depth. 
Um, they got depth. Yeah. You know, they have a ton of dudes, six eight, six eight, six eight, six seven, six five and long, six four and long. When their guards are big, they're gonna disrupt. They're gonna make things difficult. I you know, I think for Gonzaga's guards and you know, seven and a half, eight points from a team that's already beat this team a year ago. So it's not like they haven't been there, done that. I mean, this team was, speaking of Florida State, this team was one game away from the Final Four. And I, I think Leonard Hamilton is one of the most underappreciated coaches in college basketball. And, and I think looking at one random kind of side note on this, if you're looking to play futures right now, they're plus 650 to win the region and go to the Final Four. I think that's, I think that's crazy. Um, well, that's really crazy because to me, this game, uh, I think, you know, and maybe we can jump into, um, you know, the, the, the next one of the games that follows. But to me, I think I, I think the winner of this game definitely has the leg up in whoever they play, Texas Tech or Michigan. Um, so that's a, that's a great futures bet right there. If, if you, if you, str- if you think that, uh, Florida state has a chance, that's a, uh, yeah, that that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good bet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, so, I mean, I will be joining you. I, I've just been watching the line to see if, uh, see if it does tick up to eight. I mean, the reverse line movement, I think is, <clears throat> I think generally due to the fact that, I think sometimes Florida state looked really good and public perception is, you know, it's, it's hard to back up a weekend playing really well, or they look so good against Murray state, which I thought Murray state was a fraud the whole time. and was heavily invested on the Knowles in that game. And right. that, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but uh, I'll be with you on the Knowles for sure. It'll just be a matter of getting the best, uh, best number that's available. Um, so the next game is Purdue, Tennessee. Um, the joke between us is that, uh, Purdue year in and year out, year in and year out has fat little guards. And, uh, and that I've always been a big fan of the Boilermakers and I've typically wagered on the Boilermakers during a, a big 10, uh, big 10 season. They go up against Tennessee who, um, <laughs> they've got some men on that team. Uh, some grown men on that team. I, it, they're, right now, the spread is start off at one uh, in favor of Tennessee. It's now turned into one and a half. Um, almost 80% of the money's on Tennessee, and I think the money's right. Uh, I, I think, um, I, I think, especially in a game where it's almost, a, you know, at, at that spread, it's essentially a pick 'em. Um, I, I, I think uh, Tennessee's ability to defend and just uh, to get it, get after it. I, I, I like Tennessee in that game. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, uh, two different paths to get to the sweet 16. Um, you know, Purdue, Purdue was fortunate to play an old dominion team in round one that would have otherwise not been in the field, um, due to the automatic qualifier out of the Atlantic 10, uh, who was more than offensively challenged. If you watch that game, Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, caught a break with, with the draw that they were going to see either Villanova or St. Mary's, Saint Mary's. Yeah. and, and Villanova to me has been a fraud all year. The um, one the big East was a fraud this year. So, you know, I wasn't surprised to see them, you know, 
beat Villanova. Maybe a little bit surprised that the score got out of hand. But, you know, the one thing about Purdue is, like, they, they do everything pretty good. And, and Matt Painter is one of the best coaches that's in college basketball right now. They they lost four starters off a team last year that, quite honestly, if, if Isaac Haas doesn't, like, break his elbow or whatever in the tournament yeah. last year, they, they got a legit chance of making the Final Four. Um, so he's taken a whole new group of guys and got them to buy in, you know, to, 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 to what they believe in and execute, uh, at a very high level. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough out because, you know, they're, they're going to play hard. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to beat themselves and, um, you know, Tennessee will have to play better. I mean, again, I looked at, you know, and I think a lot of people too, if you look at that, that last game against Iowa, they blow a 25-point lead, could have lost the game outright, have to win it in overtime. You know, I think a younger team probably that's in Tennessee's shoes probably does lose that game. But because you got, you know, older guys, you got seniors and upperclassmen that have been around Rick Barnes for a couple of years, um, and they won a ton of games this year, you know, they, they found a way to win. And, and a lot of times if you make a Final Four run, you typically have to get a little bit lucky or you get tested you know, early in the tournament. And I think that was a big one for Tennessee. So I would, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be betting Tennessee. I think Tennessee probably wins this, you know, by, by a few possessions. Um, I just think that, you know, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, I think those guys are on a mission this year. And I think, you know, I think you're going to be seeing them play in Virginia, you know, to make a, to, to get a berth to Minneapolis, which is probably a spoiler uh, for this, you know, for the second game there, but uh, right. Yeah, I'll be on Tennessee for sure. Yep, I agree. I agree. Speaking of which, you know, uh, going back to Florida State's region, so the interesting part about about the West Regional is you have the top four seeds advance, you know, um, to play in the Sweet 16. So, obviously, Gonzaga, FSU being the 1-4, but in the other matchup we have two-seed Michigan and Texas Tech that are uh, facing off in the uh, nightcap. Um Current line is Michigan sitting at one and a half is where it opened. Um, seeing a moderate amount of, of, of bets currently. Uh, a little bit of uh, what I call sharp money on Texas Tech right now with 62% of the money and 48% of the bets going on Tech. And we have a little bit of what we call line freeze on that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? What do you see in this in this one? You know, I'll uh, – you know, you, you – be, between the two of us, you're always kind of the, the stat guy and, and, and you've got a lot of the in-depth uh, knowledge. Sometimes I just shoot from the hip. So uh, I'm going to go, uh, <laughs> I'm going to follow, follow suit on that. Um, I like Texas Tech in this matchup. I, I, I'm not a big, I've seen this Michigan team. I've seen both teams play a lot here in the last couple weeks. Um, I think Michigan is going to, especially with now Beeline runs a Beeline is one of my favorite coaches in the, in the, in, in all of college basketball. I love the offense that he runs. Um, but Texas tech is damn good defensively. And I think if you give them a full, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like this matchup as much if you only had two days to prepare for Michigan because of how unique Beeline's offense is. But because they have a full week to prepare, uh, or or a normal normal slate of you know five games five days to prepare, um, I like Texas Tech in this matchup because I think that there are uh, I think Michigan kind of has they can they'll they'll go through times where they'll 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 just have some some scoreless periods 
but they'll also just have like just some weird gaps of play where they just they uh, they just don't look like a team uh, that that's done as well as they have, um, for lack of a better way to put it. I really like Texas Tech, and this is probably um, outside of Florida State, definitely my second favorite. Excuse me, my second favorite play of the day. Fair enough. Um, this is one that. That right now I, I I don't have a I don't have a play like I don't I have a side I'm going to lean to which I'll get to what I, what I will say number one and number two defenses in college basketball so you talked about Tech's defense Tech's number one in, in defensive efficiency in college yeah. basketball Michigan's number two um, Michigan's yeah. really good defensively um, they can switch one through four um playing their man defense beeline was known as a one three one guy early in his days like west virginia and even even at the early years at michigan he's he's moved more to a man to man um they've got size uh you know teskey's a seven footer um they got some guys who can make shots they've got you know they've got upperclassmen leadership um and beeline's one of the best tournament coaches so you alluded to texas tech having time to uh, prepare for Michigan. Same thing. I think Michigan's had just as much time to prepare for, for Texas Tech. And I think, you know, we look at numbers on this, there's not anything that really sticks out um, that one team is really deficient at. And so what I expect this to be is when you bring one and two in defensive efficiency to the table, um, a bit of a rock fight. Now, Michigan's offense is 19th in the country in efficiency and Texas Tech is 34. So both very good offenses. But um, I think it's going to be a grind. Um, I think it's going to probably stay within six points either way the whole game. Uh, it'll right. be a run of four to five minutes by one team or the other that, that ultimately makes, you know, decides this one. I think the fact that Michigan's gotten Charles Matthews back from injury, uh, the six six swing guy, makes them just that much better. Um, I like Xavier Simpson at the point. I mean, if you take out Michigan's three games against Michigan State this year, um, you would probably say Michigan has as good a chance as anyone to win a national championship. So, you know, they've, they've had some kryptonite with Sparty. But, um, you know, c- considering what Chris Beard has done in his first few years at Texas Tech is nothing short of, <clears throat> of astonishing. Um, Jarrett Culver is one of the best players in the country, will be a top 10 NBA draft pick, very versatile yep. swing man, can shoot it, can get to the rim at 6'6". They got a couple grad transfers, a kid named Matt Mooney that was in South Dakota. Um, it's a good shooter. Um, David Moretti is another one who can really shoot it. I lean a little bit to Michigan is where I'm going with this, and I'm leaning to Michigan um, simply because this group was in the Final Four last year. Um, a lot of these key pieces are back. The guys that have stepped in, much like Texas Tech. Texas Tech was a win away from – uh, from you know, a game from beating Duke from getting to the Final Four as well, um, but I give a slight edge to to Beeline on the coaching just from an experience standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Beard's one of the best up and comers. Is going to be a Hall of Famer when he's done because I don't think, I certainly don't think Texas Tech is his last job he'll be at when it's when the dust settles uh, in his coaching career. But I think Michigan's got just a couple more pieces that can make plays down the stretch that ultimately get him over the top. So. Right now, I lead Michigan, but we'll we'll see when Thursday gets here if, if that line moves anymore. But really, essentially at one and a half, it is it's a pick 'em, and and it's where it should be. Uh, 
I think Ken Palm has it at Michigan by one. So it's it's right there. Right. It's right on point. Fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, the last game of the evening is really a uh, uh, an interesting matchup as far as you've got the <laughs> – if you can call them the Cinderella, if there is, if there's anything of a Cinderella story, I guess it'd be the Oregon Ducks of uh, being the 12 seed coming through. But they, anybody that watched the Pac-12, which nobody does because you'd have to have that channel, um, uh, would know that the that Oregon has been playing really good basketball, really about for the last about six to eight weeks. Uh, they have really got their defense dialed in uh, and and really rolled right through the Pac-12 tournament uh, and has and played quite well during the first round, first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, uh, matching up against a Virginia team that uh, for almost a half of their first game looked like that they may be on pace to get upset again by, uh, <laughs> by a 16th seed, only to flip the switch and then blow them out uh, and has seemed to got things back on track since then. This line has moved, started at seven and a half and has now moved to eight and a half with 70, with 72% of the money going on Oregon. It's an interesting battle because Virginia, um, man, they're, they're a good team, but Oregon could be one of the hottest teams right now, uh, in the tournament. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I, for me, it looks like Ken Palm has this at ten, and to be honest, I I, I think Virginia is the right side, and I, I don't like I don't like playing favorites. I don't like laying big numbers, and laying eight and a half with Virginia is like laying fifteen with somebody else because of pace of play. Very like it's weird that the the styles in this game <clears throat> almost mirror each other from a, from a tempo uh, pace of play standpoint. Oregon has made their run um, on the on the strength of their defense. Um, yep. The reason why and, and 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 their point guard Pritchard. Well, I think, but a lot of guys have stepped up. I mean, the Amin kid was really good um, on Sunday against UC Irvine and made a bunch of plays, hit some shots. Yeah. When that game yeah. got really hairy for them, when UC Irvine opened up the half on a 16-0 run. Um, but him and, and obviously, um, you know, a kid like Lewis King has stepped up. Kenny Wooten is a rim protector. I oh, just don't think, knowing Virginia, how they play defense, um, I don't believe Oregon can probably make enough shots because Oregon, you know, Oregon went through droughts even against UC Irvine. Yes. And to be honest, they've won 10 in a row. Well, I think they won their last four in conference play. They won four games in the conference tournament, which, you know, it, you know, and then you're talking about beating a Wisconsin team and then beating UC Irvine. If, if, uh, if Kansas State is at full health in that first round, I think Kansas State beats UC Irvine, and I don't think Oregon beats K-State. I mean, that's Correct. so I think there's been a little bit of you have to look at the path to get here. Like, I think they've been fortunate with matchups. And let's be honest, they were a top 15 preseason team when they knew they had, you know, Bull Bull was in, was Bull in, Bull. Was in the mix. Yep. This is the type of game where I think not having Bull Bull 
really shows because the size of Virginia, the pack line defense, Oregon will have to make a bunch of contested jump shots. They're not going to get shots around the rim. Um, and I don't think anyone in the Pac-12 shoots it quite as well as Virginia does. And I think Virginia's shooters will make shots. Um, they've got some, some, you know, some multi-diverse guys with Hunter and Ty Jerome. Kyle Guy can shoot it. They got size with Jack Salt at, at 6'10", and then his backup, Jay Huff, is 7'1". I mean, they've, they've got – They've got all the pieces there, you know. They, you know, they're they're built to, you know, they're built to win the national championship. So, and I think this this honestly to me feels like because uh, going off your point of eight and a half feels like fifteen. I don't, th- I I can't lay that number on Virginia, but it's very much a game where you're watching and you're trying to strike on something live. Uh, to me, it's a live bet game just because of. Uh, because um, Oregon is playing well. I think Virginia is the right side, uh, but maybe you can get a better number live if Virginia starts off a little colder. Yeah, potentially. I mean, anytime that, you know, because of, of, of lack of possessions, you know, a Virginia team is always susceptible to letting teams hang around um, for, for longer periods of time. You know, and it shortens the game, and that's why eight and a half in a, in a matchup like this, with two teams that right now Oregon's three twenty two in the country out of three hundred fifty two teams in average possession length, and Virginia's three fifty one. So two of the slower right. offensive teams. So you're not talking about a lot of possessions. Um, so I just I I don't think it's like something that a type of game where Virginia or either team jumps out on the other. I think it's it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts where it just, it's a slow right. bleed by Virginia. And I think, you know, Virginia gets to a 12, 14 point lead with five minutes to play. And then the fact that they're one of the better, you know, free throw shooting teams, they don't turn the ball over, you know, Oregon has to get out of their comfort zone, play faster. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it, the number begs you to take Oregon, you know, and you've had reverse line movement where money's coming in on Oregon yet, they're bumping the line up further. So to me, the bookmakers are drawing a line in the sand and they're, they're showing you their, their stance. And, and I, I don't want to be against the books in that situation. So I'm, I'll Agreed. be, I'll be on the side of Virginia, but it also might be something that, you know, to look potentially live to get a little bit, maybe a little more favorable number on Virginia. If, if Oregon, right. Oregon jumps out and maybe you catch them at a four and a half or something like that, you know, you never know. I mean, it's NCAA tournament, anything can happen. But I, I just think this Virginia team is destined to make the Final Four this year. Yep, yep, I I, I fully agree, <clears throat> fully agree. So I, I think that that at least gets us through Thursday. Uh, moving to Friday, uh, the very first game out of the shoot is the uh, the Bayou Bengals uh, from LSU going up against Sparty. Uh, this is one of the more uh, intriguing matchups to me. So you have a, a two, three, uh, a number, a two seed going against a three seed. Obviously everybody knows that LSU is kind of going through some issues right now with their coach uh, being suspended. So they got the assistant coach, uh, which is not a position you want to be in going up against Izzo. <laughs> One of the uh, top five all time March coaches in the history of this tournament. Uh, Sparty, Opened up, favored by six and a half. It's now six. 
uh, 67% of the money is going on LSU. Um, this is an interesting matchup because I, I can see why on paper, there is not that much difference between LSU and Michigan state uh, as far as the type of players that are going to be on the court. But my goodness, how much do you, how much do you handicap for the coaching difference between these two schools? Significant. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, people have nicknamed the month of March Izzo. So, I mean, you know, and, it's a team that this year's group has fought through some adversity with injuries and, and, and whatnot, and have still managed be really good uh, in this run all the way from winning the big 10 tournament uh, up and through now, uh, you know, up, up until now, I think to, to put it really simple from a basketball standpoint, here's what I think happens. Um, Michigan State's a top 10 defense. They're one of the best in the country. They are going to, I believe, force LSU to uh, to shoot jump shots. And, you know, LSU's one of the – they might be the worst three-point shooting team other than Duke left in the field. I've noticed with LSU, especially last week, LSU falls in love with shooting the three um, and taking what I consider to be bad shots or lazy shots – um, early in possessions. And I think that plays right into Michigan State's hands. Michigan State's not going to give up offensive rebounds. It's a game that, from a talent standpoint, LSU's probably got more talent, man for man. And have got guys that are going to play and make a lot of money uh, in the future. But I, I just feel like this is where coaching, the difference in coaching and, and, and game plan will show itself because – I think LSU ends up settling. If Michigan State's getting LSU to take jump shots, Michigan State wins that. And I would see Michigan State covering the number and, and possibly, you know, winning this thing by double figures. Yeah, that's that's kind of where <clears throat> there's no way that I'm putting money on LSU uh, in this situation, even though LSU's had a good season. Um, I It's it's kind of where I want to attack Michigan State. Uh <sighs> Do I want the number when I'd much rather have five? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think when it's all said and done, uh, and it may be one of those where I may actually make one of those stupid uh, money line parlay bets just to get Michigan state, some Michigan state money in there and, and see if I can find a partner somewhere else to at least have something to start with uh, um, before the games and then kind of maybe pick, pick away live betting as well. But I definitely think Michigan State's the way to go on this one. Mm-hmm. 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 Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more with you, Pony. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see. What region is that? That is the East region, right? Yes. So the the uh, the second game is another one. I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. Um, at 7.29 Eastern Standard Time, the Auburn Tigers and the uh, Fighting Roy Williams, UNC Tar Heels, uh, match squaring off with uh, UNC currently favored by five, lined opened at five and a half. Right now seeing a relatively, you know, close money distribution. UNC getting a little bit more of the money, but 
it looks like a slight bit of the money on the sharper sides on Auburn, which has driven that thing down off the hook to five. Um, what are your uh, initial thoughts as you look at this one? Game? This has to be the most, if, if there's, if, if you have the entire slate of eight games in front of you and I tell you, you can only watch one game. This is the one that I'm choosing because this, this has the best chance to be by far the most entertaining game. If you like, if, if you like watching college basketball, of the rule be the first two 100 wins. There is going to be a ton of points scored in this game. And they, these two teams play the fastest from, I mean, I know that there's metrics out there that probably will dispute what I'm about to say, but as far as like at this stage of the tournament, these two to me are the fastest playing teams left in the tournament. And, and they're, and they're fun to watch. Uh, Bruce Pearl's team, uh, had a had a had way too close of a call than what they should have had um, in the first game, but then just blew out. Uh, had a had an easy win in the second game. North Carolina has had an easy road as well, uh, beating most recently Washington, which was just a tough matchup for Washington because uh, they just can't score, and it was pretty darn easy for North Carolina. Carolina's, Are you there? Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. uh, I was getting another phone call. Uh, North Carolina is my champion that I that I have picked for this for this year. Uh, so I love this Auburn Tiger team. Um, I can see why money ha- why there seems to be or well, actually kind of a little bit of reverse line movement of it going from five and a half to five. God, I I don't know. It's it, my. As much as I, as much as I love this Auburn team, my gut is telling me to stay with North Carolina. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's, I think it's probably the worst matchup that Auburn could have, um, and I say that because you can't you can't speed up North Carolina like. As fast as Auburn wants to play, and, and, and Auburn looked really good against Kansas, which I knew that Kansas team was a fraud, um, you know, halfway through the Big 12 season. In order for Auburn to, I think, hang around in this game and, and have a chance to win, they've got to shoot it as well as they shot it against Kansas. And they live and die by the three-point shot. Um, Carolina's you know, top 100 and defending the three. But I just think when you get Roy Williams, you get a team that's got more talent because North Carolina has better players. Yes. You get it in an open game, it's going to be up and down. I just think the talent takes Mm -hmm. over. And at the end of the day, I think Carolina gets a few more stops. And I think they probably win this one. I'd probably lay the five. I mean, to be honest, I'd probably look at doing, you know, if you want to maybe take out the five and, you know, that's a perfect money line parlay. You know, if you can find a partner for them, maybe a, a Tennessee or, or, or my someone. Michigan State that I was talking about earlier, or yeah. Michigan State. That's a good. That's a good two team money line. You know, two teams. I like. You know, I think they both advance, and you know, that's, that's actually probably a good one. Now that I think about a yeah. pony um, to, to put together. Um, and uh, but I, I think if, if you made me pick the on, on the side, you know, it goes back to like if anything under seven points. I, you know, 
if you're going to bet the dog, you got to think they've got a really great chance to win it. I just don't think they can win the game. As as good as they looked, and I know they won the SEC tournament, and they, you know, they they beat Tennessee in the final, and and they've been, they're hotter than anyone in the country right now. But I just think Carolina's got just a few more parts there, a few more pieces, and ultimately um, a little more depth that puts them over. And and it's just one of those that. It could be a two-possession game with two minutes to go, and Carolina could win by 10. Right. You know, with the way late-game late, late situation. There, there, there's so. a piece of me that listening to you talk about it, there's a piece of me that kind of just dawned on me of because of how hot Auburn has been for the last two weeks, if they cool off, it could get ugly quick because of how well Carolina rebounds, which is kind of one of the, one mm-hmm. of the things that people don't – I don't think they always get credit for playing. I don't think people give them as much credit for how good of a rebounding team they are. But if Auburn doesn't keep up with their, if if they have a cool start to the game and they have some, those some threes that create some fast, some fast possessions going the other way, uh, this game could get Carolina may jump out to quite a good lead uh, before Auburn even knows that the game has started. It, 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 there, there's, there's a, and, and I say that just because this is one of those games where if Auburn, if Auburn covers, I, I don't see Auburn winning this no matter what. So if Auburn covers is just, they were able to make it a close game. Uh, but I can see North Carolina uh, blowing them out. Yeah, I mean, the game within the game, if you're watching it, you're looking for live opportunities. Um, you hit. You, know, you talked about UNC, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Auburn really struggles, um, and especially in a situation with the size of Carolina, they, they already struggle um, defensive rebounding. Uh, they're also they, – they, they let teams shoot a relatively high percentage against them as well, and part of that's because there's so many extra possessions they play fast. They like to press. They want to speed teams up. So they, they're giving up good looks. And I just, I just don't think that Carolina is the team you want to get into a track meet against. I mean, I would, I would like them far better against a team like Virginia, you know, that's going to try to slow them down because the three ball becomes that much more important. And, and Auburn could stick around. And if Auburn jumped out of the head, save it of Virginia. You know, Virginia's not built to come from behind. Where Carolina, man, I mean, they can be down 20 and, and make a deficit up in four minutes. I mean, they're just the, – the, the only other team that is a worse matchup that is – I think North Carolina and Gonzaga are bad matchups for Auburn. And I think anyone else, Auburn would at least have a – I would really like Auburn's chances to at least cover against anyone else. But, North, yeah, it, it just is – it's it just at the end of the day, North Carolina is probably better than what Auburn does best. And that's just kind of a bad recipe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I would agree with that. And maybe Duke, Duke would be another one that'd be a bad, I think wouldn't be great for Auburn either. You know, because right. you don't open the floor up with those athletes and those players they have, but, but yeah, just, it's, it's been a great run by Auburn. There's no question. I just, I just think that this is probably where, where their uh, you know their story comes to an end, so I I definitely like Carolina money line and and you know it's one too because of the amount of possessions and what you could have for runs either way. 
Auburn could jump out, make a couple threes early, have a six-point lead. You might be able to grab North Carolina in the money line for even money. You know, right. so it's something that you definitely want to watch it because I think there's enough swings in it that you may find value on either side. And it could be if Carolina jumps way out on Auburn too. With Auburn's ability to shoot it, you get a really inflated number uh, on Auburn, something in the double figures. Like You know they're not going to just lay down and quit at this point in the season. So I think that you might be able to find value there as well. So I think you can potentially play this on either side. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. If, if one of these teams have a 10-point lead at the end of the first half, I think it's a – a pretty good money to put <laughs> to put on the opposing team uh knowing that the ability to score uh and then pressing will will cover that bet on the second half uh talking about the dukies uh they go up against the hokies uh acc matchup virginia tech duke uh boy i tell you after that ucf after that ucf game there's a lot of people that are down on the blue devils uh, Virginia Tech getting their point guard back. They've had a couple games now to uh, to kind of play this. <laughs> Am I wrong to think like right now that eighty percent of the money is on Virginia Tech? Uh, and normally, when when I see such lopsided betting like that, I I, I get a little leery. But to me, the right side is taking the Hokies and the points, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and this, this, I, I, I've already bet it. Um, full disclosure, I bet Virginia Tech plus seven and a half yesterday. So we're recording this on what is today? Wednesday. So Wednesday. I recorded. And it's already moved down to seven. Yeah. So I bet it seven and a half on Tuesday night um, for a couple of reasons. And one of them is not because of what Duke did against UCF. I mean, I think. You can, again, if Duke goes on and wins this game, gets the Final Four, wins the whole thing, you can look back at that moment as where they got their scare. And typically, nobody goes through this tournament unscathed in six games and just walks away with the championship. So right. they've had a scare. And, and that's, you know, so public perception obviously drives, you know, oh, Duke's very vulnerable. Where I think Duke is vulnerable is just from the simple point that these two teams played earlier uh, in Blacksburg this season. So – in ACC play, Duke obviously didn't have Zion. Uh, Justin Robinson did not play for Virginia Tech, who are both going to be playing in this game. But from just a pure basketball standpoint, I know what's going to happen. I know that Virginia Tech is going to go under every ball screen that Duke mm-hmm. sets. They're going to invite Duke to shoot the three-point shot, mm-hmm. which is what they did the first matchup. And this could be where Duke's Achilles heel of not being able to shoot the three comes back, you know, comes back to finally catch them. I mean, you know, I thought it would happen against Virginia when they played them both times and they shot the ball really well both times they played Virginia this year. For them to win this game, they're going to have to shoot the three ball really well because that's what they're going to be left with. You know, Virginia Tech's going to take away the take away the drive and they're not going to give up offensive rebounds. They're very 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 good at both of those things. And then offensively, you know, they play at a much slower tempo I think than what people think than Duke does. And it's always easier to slow people down than it is to speed them up. And, you know, you can look back to the Virginia Tech game against Liberty and say, well, what's, you know, they almost lost to Liberty and this and that. Listen, that was a, a, a mirror matchup, right, of styles. The Virginia, you know, Liberty is the, is the Virginia of, uh, you know, of the mid-majors with, with their coach. So that was a complete, you know, style, you know, mirror of each other. 
And you knew it was going to be close because the possessions were going to be limited and Liberty could shoot the three. I think this one, I think the Hokies have the confidence they've beaten um, Duke again. The game's in D.C. They're going to be a huge Virginia Tech uh, support system there. Not to mention mm-hmm. every fan that's there, that's just there, is also going to be rooting for the underdog, especially if this thing is tight down the stretch. I like Virginia to cover. I think Virginia actually wins this game. Um, so I'll probably be throwing something on them on the money line to go with it. Um, and I, 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 I think I actually put Virginia Tech through in my bracket that I did if, because I thought this matchup would happen. I think it's just a bad, bad matchup for Duke. Yeah, I, I think the main thing you said, which is spot on, that uh, it, it, Virginia Tech is going to try to make this a low-possession game. Uh, and, and that's going to take Duke out of rhythm. Uh, and the fact that in, a, in, in pushing to make Duke try to try to beat you from the outside, which now has been well documented that that is their Achilles heel of the, of the three-point shooting. Uh, I, I just did. You take the points. Three, three I, I point love shooting. the points in this. Not only that, it's three point shooting and free throw shooting. Duke's not a good free yeah. throw shooting team either. And I, I, you cannot discount. Look, I know that Zion didn't play in the first game, and obviously the guy's probably <clears throat> worth six or seven points on a spread by himself. But mm-hmm. Justin Robinson is a senior point guard who was preseason All American, who is like an extension of Buzz Williams on the floor. Best thing that could have happened if you're a Hokie fan is that dude came back and played in two games last week, and the second one was 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 a game that was tight, you know. Yep. And so he got game minutes. He's got his legs back under him, um, and he'll be ready to go. And I just think that his decision making, what he does, you know, he's going to put them in positions to get good shots every time down. And and uh, you know the Dukies the Dukies are vulnerable. I mean, they're you got to remember, man, they got three freshmen in that starting rotation. I mean, he's still, I know that college basketball has changed a lot, but it's still three 18, 19 year old guys. And this, this will be the biggest test for them, um, you know, to date uh, more so than even the, the championship game against Carolina in the ACC tournament. Cause there's a hell of a lot more on the line with this one. The, 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 the problem for Duke is, is that this is one of those teams that um, would, have, would have really appreciated some disruption in the bracket, <laughs> and that didn't take place. <laughs> so so they are, they're now getting – that bracket is completely clean of one through four. And, and for me, however long Duke is going to be in this tournament – I'm probably going to be fading them each time, and my guess is I'll be making money each time, uh, even if they do pull this out. That there's, there's that the likelihood that if they do win it, that they actually cover the spread is low, unless it's one of those that it just turns to free throws and maybe they win by nine, something like that. But uh, um, I, I think Virginia Tech has got the uh, has got the system to beat them. And even if they don't, Michigan State, I think, will clip them at that point uh, in the next game. Yeah, I, um, I would agree with you on that one. I mean, it's yeah, I, you know, it'll be a fun game to watch, though. Much like this, yeah. much like the last game we have with Houston and Kentucky. And I, full disclosure, man, I have no pulse on this game. Um, I don't either. You know, you've got a red hot uh, Houston team that, that looked really good uh, in both their wins um, this week. In fact, I. 
I had them going out to to Buffalo in my bracket. I had I had Buffalo as a sleeper, but they absolutely piss pounded those guys from the jump. Um, the line right now in Houston. Houston's a three point dog against Kentucky. Opened at two and a half. Houston's getting two thirds of the money right now, and you've seen a slight reverse line movement. So I think that is interesting. A lot of this centers around PJ Washington and whether or not he's going to play in this game. Between you and I, I don't see how the kid does. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you're in a walking boot still. He wasn't in a walking boot, he was in a hard cast. There you go. So, even worse. You know, they put <laughs> okay. in a hard cast for what they called a foot sprain. And I know it was precautionary. And I know that I know the cast is off. I haven't heard any news in the last 12 hours that he is playing there and he isn't. But even if he does play, I don't know how effective he can be. How effective are you? So, right. He's such a vital piece. I knew they could get through last weekend without him, but they're not going to win this game. They're certainly not going to beat, you know, North Carolina um, without him either. So I, I just I, I think the deck is the, the the deck is a little stacked against Kentucky from that stamp that standpoint. No, who knows, man? Maybe he comes out and he he looks great and and uh, he, you know he's, he's a really fast healer. I don't know, but. Um, it makes it hard to cap this because, you know, and, and some there's there's a there's there's a, a thought that if he plays and he's not a hundred percent, is he actually hurting them more than he's helping them? So you have to factor that in. Kelvin Sampson's name is obviously flying around all the all the major <laughs> coaching jobs, right? I mean, he's he's right, and, and as is as is Coach Cal's name. You know, you got Coach Cal's name being floating around at UCLA. And you got Kelvin Sampson's name being thrown out of Arkansas, so there's 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 a lot of similarities similarities there. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm going to have money on it because it's going to be the end of the the end of the evening, uh, and my money will be on if I have money on it. I know I'll hit it live, but if I have money before the game starts, it'll be on Houston. I'm not even sure. My guess will be a half unit just to kind of get me on there. Um, but other than that, uh, that's, that's kind of my, I guess, gut tells me that I think that's where it goes just because I think the, the injury for Kentucky, when you lose your leading score and your leading rebounder, I mean, that's a big piece of that team. Um, and all of a sudden you kind of saw that, uh, in their final game, uh, on Sunday that they, their depth just isn't there when all of a sudden you take out such a big player like that. So, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll run with, uh, run with Houston and then, and then maybe see if there's something live I can jump on. When in doubt, take the points. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, that's probably not the worst strategy to employ. I mean, the one difference too, I, you know, Kentucky's super young, obviously, um, and, and and Houston's one of the older teams that's left, you know, in right. in the field. And you know, I in fact Kentucky's the second youngest team in the country. Um, their roster is so you know they're obviously super ultra talented. Uh, it's going to be a grind. I mean, because Houston will get up and guard you. You know, yep. they're not both will. You know, yeah, both of them will. So it'll be an interesting game, but. I think you have to watch if P.J. Washington plays and how effective he is. Because if he plays and he's effective, if he's at 75%, 80%, they're good enough to win this game. And with the spread where it's at, that's essentially, you know, almost a money line at two and a half, two and a half, three. Right. So. right. 
So, favorite bet on Thursday? <sighs> hmm. Let me look at these one more time. Uh, it's probably it's probably a tie between between Florida State and Tennessee. Um, I, I probably will play those at the same same unit amount with Virginia being my you know third, and then you know my lean on Michigan right now, but that's probably right. how I would rank those, rank those bets. What about you? Uh, Florida, Florida state, I think is my, is by far my favorite out of that. Um, and then it kind of drops off from there. And then honestly, the next day for Friday, uh, I'm loving the spot of, I mean, F- Florida state and Virginia tech. And in fact, you and I were talking beforehand of a, you know, money line parlay uh, would be, pretty darn pretty darn tasty for a for two teams that i can very much see win um both of their games and you're speaking of michigan state north carolina on that one. Oh, oh yeah well i was before we got on we were talking about what a uh what a florida state and uh, virginia tech money line parlay gotcha. would pay as as dogs something that would pay out more yeah but the other one that i'm yeah you I can... very much will be putting in the michigan state uh parlay as well yeah i think north carolina, carolina. michigan state money line should yep. should get you a little bit more than even odds so it's a yeah it's not a it's not a bad way to play that and and then obviously you know you know, one of the things, you know, if, if you decide to do a Florida State Vodtech money line, if you're getting like eight to one and Florida State takes care of business Friday, then it does give you some options no. to look at. E- e- even live, even if you uh, uh, even live, if you feel like you that Virginia Tech isn't going to win, that you can still hedge it quite easily because of the point spread. Right. Well, what I was saying was you could, you know, you could ultimately. I mean, I don't know. I don't have it handy with me, but Duke's probably like a minus two forty, something like that. Yeah. Um, to win, maybe it's more than that. It's probably closer to three hundred, actually. So, you know, theoretically, if you got eight eight to one sitting in the pocket, you know, you could you could hedge out of that a little bit, you know, right. and potentially still give yourself a, an opportunity to make a decent amount of money. Um, speaking of which, making money, Tiger Woods just won his match in the Ooh. WGC match play over uh, Matt Wise. So T Gray is one and O oh, uh, first day here. So there you go. A little, little golf here thrown into the end of, which, into the which, podcast. Which, which, which is, uh, which is not what Bubba Watson is right now. Bubba's not. Bubba's, uh, Bubba's angry. Yeah. Probably fired his caddy. <laughs> so probably. All right, man. All right. That, that is the HFV podcast for the Sweet 16. I think I think we I, I think we need to get because obviously we 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 ran out of time today. So so I, I think we need to get the rooster back on, uh, the rooster's cage back on for the final four, and, and maybe he can just give us kind of a what my guess would be is a round by round summary of his betting and his betting style, and uh, and maybe there's some things that we can learn and glean from it. What are you, what, are, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to offer that information up. And I think uh, we want to take that and throw it in the trash and realize that's <laughs> not how you should do it. 
Perhaps. <laughs> All right. See ya. Stay horny. Thank you for listening to the HFB podcast. 